call anything because if I were yelling at my two co-hosts about giving our blood and flesh to the Crowfather, it's something I feel I'd remember. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Podquisition. I'm Jim Sterling. I feel like I've swallowed a lot of spiders and dead flies today. And that quite literally could have happened. I hate the South. I've been doing a lot of manual labour. I've been trying to clean up the garage a bit because I'm doing filming in there this afternoon. I'm on a, a handful of hours of sleep. So this, this might be a shorter episode than usual just because I'm dying on my fucking ass. And Laura's not had much of a better day either, have you, Laura? No, I have a lovely, wonderful, spooky day planned where I had to leave the house so they could kill all of the insects. I was collecting those insects. They were going to be part of the decor for my Halloween-themed party. But no, apparently we had four hours' notice to be like, yep, we're killing all the bugs in the flat. Like, well, what if I wanted those bugs there? You can have some of mine. I can, I can give you some from my foot if you want. Thank you. I would appreciate that. My Halloween decor has considerably I mean, I would have thought the contagious nature of it would have set in by now and you'd have your own little collections. Well, you know, I've got the little pustules starting to develop, but they've yet to hatch into the younglings. So, you know, I'm a little way off being able to smear the walls if in the, their if webs. If the pus uh, sprouts pincers, don't pull them out because then the, um, the insect might die. Because that's how it feeds. It grabs like little blood clots from the side of the foot and drags them into the, the, okay, the pustules. I, I will... I will be very, very careful not to pull the pincers out. Uh, but yeah, I don't yet have the things to respread in the thing. I'm, I'm currently just choking on fumigation fumes because I'm pretty sure two hours isn't long enough to fumigate a building, then completely aerate it. Oh, no, so, you're being poisoned well, to, as we speak. To, yeah. to be fair, Laura, I mean, compared to the sum of the things you've drank on the show, it's probably not that bad. That's a very good point, but at least some of those had, like, a stamp to say, yes, humans are okay to consume this. <laughs> it passed by he... some sort of board. Yeah, even if I disagree, some humans said it was okay. <laughs> uh, man, I love how most of that conversation is impregnable to any new listeners. Um, you're very welcome, by the way. Uh, the other voice you hear, uh, so bass and creamy and rich, is Gavin. Hello, Gavin. Hello, too bass and creamy, creamy and rich, according to some some people. <laughs> it's it's powerful, which is funny because uh, as we were saying before we recorded, you know, we we do and we tr- I try and rein it in, but we do have a tendency, Laura and I, as chatty chatty <laughs> bastards, uh, to talk over you. Um, whereas you really could just um your way into drowning us out. Yeah. I discovered this, you know, as Quiet, the show has Laura, gone on. I'm talking. <laughs> As the show has gone on, I've noticed this more and more is that initially when we spoke over you, you were very quiet and you were very restrained. And over time, you've got more and more confident and started to talk back and to fight for that volume. And when doing the editing, it's suddenly like, oh, if you do try and talk like talk in response, you just drown the rest of us out. You could have the Gavin hour if you wanted. I feel like. Gavin's voice wears weighted clothes like Dragon Ball Z, and he takes them off, and the power just raises. Um, that again, just just really shoddy jokes uh, and referential stuff at the moment. Uh, I apologise um, to listeners. you know. You know what sucks about having a deep voice, though, what is you can't sing along with like most of your favourite like bands because most popular singers have really high voices and I have to sing all my favourite songs like an octave lower so it's like no energy You've basically got House of the Rising Sun and anything Peter Steele did really Yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) I'll do anything to make you come (laughs) Speaking of Pete Steele I've done something Pete Steele uh, style this week, you know um, Eric Took a load of drugs (laughs) E-Rock 
he does like all the metal cover versions on YouTube. Okay. Right. And he's like super smiley. Yeah. Um, well, we've done a cover of Spooky Scary Skeletons for Halloween and it's all in like typo negative vocal style. So it's going to be really fun. <laughs> I'm very I am, excited about I'm that. I'm yes. from ear to ear. I'm looking forward to that. Um, speaking I, I of, am, anyway, oh, say, speaking of spooky things, um, I've contributed to an audio book. Um, oh, yeah. And this is a bad plug because I've forgotten the name of it already. Hold on. I saw it on your YouTube channel. What's it called? I'm giving you time to find the name. There yeah. we go. Oh, I've got you. It's called Afraid of Everything. It's horror stories for all ages. It's by Adam Tierney. Disclosure, he is a developer at Wayford Studios. Um, which is fine because I haven't reviewed anything. Have they even made a game lately? I don't know. Yeah. But but I've not touched their stuff in ages. But Disclosure, I do... I'm, I'm working with Adam on this and, and a few other projects, um, which we will reveal in the future. Uh, but he's doing a Kickstarter right now for Afraid of Everything, Horror Stories for All Ages. Uh, it's a, an illustrated uh, book of, of kid-friendly but, but somewhat disturbing horror stories. Uh, I narrate two stories on the audiobook, and you can hear one of my chapters, Osteophobia, on my YouTube channel, Jim Sterling. So you could go check that out. So that's a plug. Um, I've had a spooky day already, though, because as I've been uh, doing backbreaking labour today, come across all sorts of horrible things. I hate living in the South. I, I, I don't know if I've ever communicated that expression before, but today really hammered it home, because I had to clean out the garage, as I said earlier. Uh, first of all, I, clearly I'm not built for manual labour. Manual labour is not a thing I do. Uh, second of all... I've, I've encountered so many insect corpses and spider eggs and wasp nests today. I am, <laughs> I am not happy about it. The upside is I now have a spooky Halloween bush in the yard because my general tactic for cleaning up was just like shoving a brush into the corners of the garage, uh, uh, sort of, you know, well, the corners of the garage. There was no need to add anything after that. Swirling the brush around to basically whip it up like haunted candy floss and then just smearing it on one of the bushes outside. So one bush is covered in, like, thick, like, thick cobwebs and spider eggs. So that's a, that's a haunted surprise for, for the neighbours. I had a scary piece of video game thing that I'm very excited about this week. Can I talk about a video game thing? Oh, please. I got a thing. Please. So, you know how last week I talked about uh, Until Dawn getting a piece of DLC that was going to be an on-rails uh, first-person shooter? Madness! And it was going to be in VR, and nobody fucking believed me. Unbelievable! All the websites were like, ah, it's not real. Could and never happen, Laurie. Like, You're a charlatan. Yeah, the day that we put this podcast out and I put my news post about it out, like, uh, the developers were like, no, we're not developing anything. Shut up. What's going on? And yesterday at Paris Games Week, they revealed Rush of Blood is a real thing. It's a VR yeah. standalone DLC in which you're on rails doing first-person shooters. I did a journalism. All listen to me when I tell you rumours, because I do rumours when I know the facts and the truth words. Laura knows the truth words. And she yeah, knows I know the, the truth words. words. Believe me, I, I have another story from a, from a connected source coming. Ooh. So uh, next in the next week or that. so... I have more journalism to do. I, I can, can do journalism. Yeah. Can we have a conversation, though, about developers lying to our fucking faces? Well, 
I'm pretty sure they lied to our fucking faces, but equally they were very careful to not actually lie to our fucking faces while still lying to our fucking faces. What was their exact quote? Their exact quote was that they are not currently developing any DLC for Until Dawn. Oh, I see. Now that is true because that is probably true because they've probably finished development yeah. on this piece. I'm going I'm to play devil's advocate here mm. and say if someone is leaking stuff they don't want announced yet then why should they uh oh, no. well, <laughs> why they should they probably, say yeah what they should it's, probably if someone's do leaking is, it before their release date well, they're gonna be like well screw that person yeah. like what, what they should probably do is either say nothing or say we don't comment on rumors and speculation yeah, that's, that's yeah. the standard like like to it, to respond to a specific rumor and to try and deny it while they know full well that it's true that's just fucking shady. Yeah. It's the same with the Konami Kojima thing. It's like if it does mm. turn out that Kojima has left and Konami was spinning us a line of bollocks, I don't care if it was a leaked source. I don't care if they didn't want the information out there. You keep your trap shut. You give a generic no comment. Don't lie to the general public. Mm. I don't know. I don't get why that's acceptable. It's not the first time it's happened. You know, studios mm. have outright said we're not working on this. We're not doing this. Few days later, here's the announcement. I'm like, you fucking liars! Well, don't lie. Just say nothing. Yeah. Just no comment. That shit. Because exactly, just do a no comment. Because this was my whole problem. Was like, I was getting other websites contacting me, being like, oh yeah, we saw you around that rumor, but also they've said it's not true. And I'm like, no, they didn't say it's not true. They said that they're not currently actively developing anything. Trust me, I've got solid sources. It's going to be at Barris Games Week next week. That like They actively were saying, like, we haven't aren't developing anything. And people were pushing them on this Reddit AMA, being like, so you're not actively developing anything, but you haven't addressed the actual rumour. Is there an on-rails piece of DLC coming? And they were like, uh, 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 that we're not going to talk about. It's like, just don't talk about the whole fucking thing. Yeah, just leave it. Uh... Sneaky bastards. It's, it's fine. I got to feel very, very validated during Paris Games Week. I had my little moment yeah, on Twitter where I was I like, saw. told you fuckers, I fucking told you, listen to me, I can do journalism. Speaking of Paris Game Week, I uh, oh, see... I, I think I know where we're going here. <laughs> let's, let's have a chat about one of my favourite people in the industry. Uh, <laughs> David Kedge has uh, announced a new game. That is uh, coming out on uh, PlayStation 4. It oh, is have, you, called... have you heard he has a new quote today? Since it... Oh, do not, I, do not last... call it sci-fi. Yeah, do not call Detroit become human sci-fi. It is about androids, but it is not science fiction. It is emotion fiction. What a prick. Uh, and I say that with the greatest of love. Um... Yeah, like, I, I can't believe he started already. I think what I loved most is that he said the word emotions, again, without qualifier, that's what he uses it like it, like the word stands on its own. Uh, like, he, he, emotional and emotions is a word that needs a qualifier, something to contextualise it. You can't just say something is emotional, because emotions apply to many things. How is it emotional? What emotions do, like are evoked by this thing. You can't just say emotional, but that's what he does. And, and I love... He, he was on stage this week at Paris Game Week less than a minute before the word came out of his fucking mouth. Now, you can't do that. Do you think he's aware of, of how much of a, a, like a, a meme and a joke him saying emotions is, though? I, I think he has to be aware of it, and I think at this point he's probably actively just like, no, fuck you guys, I'm going to say oh, it, you're not going to stop me. I mean, I've, 
I've never had direct experience with the man, but I've had indirect experience with the man. Um, specifically, when I reviewed Heavy Rain and, and did the shockingly unthinkable thing of giving it a 7 out of 10, <laughs> the lowest score you could give a game, he had an interview with my then editor-in-chief, Nick Chester, uh, who was formerly at Harmonics and is, is now moving from there. And basically the interview turned into a circus where he sat uh, Nick down and was like, how could, how could your reviewer give this game a, a 7 out of 10 if you go to Metacritic and see how many games reviewers have given it a 10? You'll see that this is a revolutionary game that uh, <laughs> has really changed the face of games as we know it and just went on and on and on about how his about how the metacritic average score from other reviewers proved that his game was revolutionary now, uh, so i don't hmm. believe for a second he knows he has the self-awareness to get that him saying emotions has become a joke now here's, here's the thing I am completely on board with the the whole idea of him saying emotions being a joke. He is he is a bit of a ridiculous man when it comes to game developers. This being said, I'm going to I'm going to say something that is a bit of a scary thing to admit to. Go for it. I kind of really like his games in spite of how deeply flawed they are, and mm. I'm really excited about Detroit. <laughs> I don't think that's really? a bad thing. I I, 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 I I'm I sure you're get, fine with I it. The internet's not going to be fun. The second chapter of um of beyond i just mm. I, it drove me crazy it was yeah. so i don't I, there's mm. very rare a game that i'll stop playing it do you know beyond <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, it. that's perfectly fair like uh beyond had some really big structural problems and i really disliked how they chose to end it like when i've been voicing concerns like in the run-up to life is strangers finale i kept using my reference point of I hope it doesn't do a Beyond Two Souls. Like, that should say something about the fact that I am definitely aware of the flaws with this man's games. But that being said, he... He reminds me of Peter Molyneux, and I know that's not a good place to start with a comparison, but he is an ambitious person that makes AAA video game projects that are unlike anything else that you can compare them to, and regardless of their flaws, I generally find a lot... Of value in them, even if I have to qualify my recommendations mm-hmm. of, that's, like, that's I really enough. enjoy this, but be aware of all these big, yeah. huge fucking I mean, problems. I liked Heavy Rain. I mean, that, that, mm. that's often what people forget, because I make fun of David Cage and his ridiculous statements, and because I really, really think his writing is amateur hour horseshit. Um, yeah, that's, people what, think that's I, what turns me off as well. Yeah. like I, People think I hate Heavy Rain. I actually liked it as a game, as a kind of evolved dragon's lair i liked it but his writing is atrocious and that's the thing that that really turns me off i i don't dislike his writing i really like his character interaction writing on just like a an interpersonal level where my problem with him and his writing is is more on the the grand scale of his plots and the way he tries to conclude them like he seems to not have solid concepts always of where he's taking his narratives yeah. well, that's, from start that, to is, end this is a criticism I've, I've had about him for years um, I, won't, I, I mean I could talk for an entire hour about everything I think wrong with David Cage mm. um, and I won't do that but I, I do despite how much I make fun of him um, one thing that's often lost and, and it's probably my fault just because of how caustic I am I do respect the guy mm. and I do think he has really good ideas but 
he is like George Lucas. And the fact that he would probably take that as a compliment is part of the problem with David Cage. Uh, what I mean by George Lucas is he's got a stellar imagination. He's got some nu- like nuclei of really nice ideas. He needs people who tell him no. He needs mm. people looking over his shoulder, hitting him with a rolled-up newspaper every time he says something stupid. What if the internet came to life? Bap! Shut up, David! Basically, you know, he needs stuff to like have that. his Peter Molyneux moment, like the beginning of this year, where he has his moment of something completely blows up in his face, and he's like, oh, I need to stop and let other people tell me when to shut up. Yeah, like, he needs and... he needs a team. Like, he believes mm. so strongly in auteur theory. And yeah. that works great for auteurs, of which he is not one. Uh, he isn't. He And he needs to stop thinking he is. He would benefit from being part of a yeah. writing team. Mm. Now, this all being said, like, I think it's worth pointing out, like, when that uh, Kara, the original Kara, like, tech demo, um, non-interactive video thing was shown, like, four years ago, I think that, as its own isolated, very short-form piece of media, I thought that was fantastically handled. Like, I've gone and shown that to people who aren't into games to be like, I think this is a really mm-hmm. beautiful, like, short story this person's put together. I love well, the he idea. Does, yeah. He does great scenes. Mm. He does really good scenes. It's the coherence, yeah. the tying of them together. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. one of the problems with Beyond Two Souls. It had some decent scenes. Oh, it had some fantastic scenes. It, it had some good scenes, back and forth too. all over the place. Like, he was trying to be Qu- Qu- yeah. uh, Quentin Tarantino but without any of the talent of Quentin Tarantino yeah. to pull it together. Well, this this is the big thing for me. Like, I think one of the big problems with Beyond Two Souls was its... Shit. It's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's insistence that it thought it could do the out-of-sequence narrative better than it could. Yeah. I'm very his ha- talent I, yeah. does not match his mm. ambition. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him going back to a linear narrative, which I hope is what he's doing here. Yeah. Um, I love the the core little short short film that inspired this and like it's probably going to turn out really flawed but that didn't stop me having shivers watching that trailer and being like you know what i like this guy's ambition i am excited about this i want to see this game yeah like, i mean it was a, a good trailer I really yeah it's a game it was a really that i really want to see it i i upset people on twitter because everyone was excited for the trailer and then i said everyone please remember david cage is making this mm. and then everyone got angry at me and said stop ruining this for me <laughs> <laughs> i want to be excited for this stop reminding me because i was like the trailer looks fantastic but let's not forget that however epic and grand and, and emotional it looks <laughs> most of the game will be spent like taking a piss uh Opening and closing cupboard doors and having showers. And a that sexy is... android woman in the shower with someone saying her name 300 times. Uh, yeah. That, that is entirely possible. And I was There will very... be an inappropriate sex scene at one point yeah. that is like totally out Which of concept. Which I hope Jim is going to redub, the by the well, way. It's, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. Jim, happen, if there's a sex scene, yeah. you better redub it on YouTube. Oh, I'll dub it. I'll give it's... it the sterling polish. It's definitely going to have a sex <laughs> the scene. sterling polish. E- that even... could mean so many things. <laughs> it's... And it does. It means all of them. <laughs> it's definitely going to have a sex scene because, like, even in the Kara demo, like, the first thing that they talk about with that particular android is, like, do your welcome sequence and 
part of the welcome sequence is talking about how she is fully available as a sexual partner to whoever she's sold to. So uh, yeah, it's going to happen. Daily yeah. Page can't resist. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that's going to be like act one is she gets sold to someone. Someone tries to have sex with her. She says no big fight happens. Like I'm calling that plot point right now. It's she gets sold. She doesn't want to have sex. You're a sex bot. Ah, big fight happens. She is this going to be before or after the obligatory shower scene? Uh, the obligatory shower scene will be later when she's washing off after this has happened because gotcha, she feels dirty. Gotcha. That's how it's going to play out. Right, okay. But I'm still kind of excited, even though I know I shouldn't be, because I, David Cage, I, I'm i hoping this is more of a Heavy Rain than a Beyond Two Souls. I'm hoping it's better than Heavy Rain. I nice. don't know whether I should expect that. I suspect I shouldn't. Well, I think what you really need to do before you form any opinion of the game is to go to Metacritic and see what the critics say when they review it. And, well, it's uh, currently not out, so it currently has a Metacritic of zero, so... Well... Mm, there. Oh, well, David. Just what are you going to say about that, David? Zero is uh, technically not a number, so you could say that uh, this transcends uh, even The game has, has scored infinity. Infinity. It, it, it cannot be measured by normal human numbers, uh, very much like how I make a sci-fi game that is simultaneously not sci-fi or a game. Uh, I basically do the impossible. I'm the dream weaver here. And <laughs> you cannot tell me what I do is wrong because you do not have enough emotions. Emotions are measured in polygons. Let me ask you, how many polygons are in your face? None. You have no emotions. I'm David Cage. <laughs> I know Ellen no, doing, Page. Do you? Doing a movie about robot people in Detroit, you've got big shoes to fill there. <laughs> well, I, I, bum, I have bum, never bum, seen... Bum, 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 bum. I don't know what that, that music refers to. I have never seen a film. <laughs> oh, goodness, yeah. Well, that's the thing. He, he's an easy man to make fun of, and rightly Aren't so, we because all? He, he does some stupid things, but... I'm kind of excited. Don't hate me, internet. I'm kind of excited. I, I like David Cage. You sometimes. should be excited, because this game asks questions that no other piece of entertainment medium Particular. or artwork has asked before. Like, imagine this, right? Uh, just, I, I know what I'm about to propose is, is weird a little bit, maybe esoteric, but try to imagine. What if robots add feelings? I I I would like to also add... I have not seen the recent movie Ex Machina. I did not I, see it. I do not I know. I don't what even it know is. what that word means. What, what, what is what, this? I don't know. What is Ex Machina? Is, is it that game with uh, the augment your pre order bonus? Oh, uh, yes, yes, that is it, I think. It is, it that, is not anything is to do with the themes that I am discussing. Thank you. That, that, was, <laughs> that was my sister, Davina Cage. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, I now, Joining help, me here. I, now, I now help on the development. Uh, Quantic Dream. Uh, okay, I'm going to drop this now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was fun. Uh, uh, did some fun David Cage. People like me doing David Cage. Yeah. Not, I, I mean, doing a David Cage voice, not doing David no, Cage. Well, I think people would like you doing David Cage, but that's another matter entirely. That, that would be emotional. Uh, next bit of news. No Man's Sky is coming out in June 2016. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're it's right. Not. It's not. It's not, no way. Bollocks. Well, what, that <laughs> tells us, what that tells us is it is at least nine months away, yeah. probably yeah. further. It, it's basically telling us don't expect it in the next six months or the next nine months. You know, you're going you're gonna to be waiting a while. You know what I feel like the uh, the team in No Man's Sky need to do at the moment is to show 
they've been showing a lot of footage of the game, but I think they need mm. to show a little bit more of the footage that is focused on the progression of whatever yeah. narrative they have. Because so, most of the comments on, on their videos are kind of, what's this game about? What do you do? Is yeah. this all you do? So I'm going to say a couple of things that I cannot tell you what my sources are on, but some rumblings I've been hearing in recent months. Um, mm-hmm. The game was meant to be showing at a UK event at a hands-off demo at an event called Game City. They cancelled their appearance. From what I hear, there were a lot of technical issues going on that caused them to pull that that showing. I can tell you that at E3, the build we saw in Sony's press conference was not a PS4 build. At the time of the Sony press conference, the game was only running on PC. Even though a PS4 controller was being used, that was not a PS4 build of the game. As I understand it, there have been considerable issues getting that game to run properly on PS4. Um, Optimization on PC has been hell. And there are a lot of technical problems going on in this before we even start like wondering what actually is the core gameplay loop. Getting this game running at the ambitious scope they're hoping for is not going well. So just be be cautious, everyone. But there the general public, like things. they don't care about that. They want to see what do you do in the game. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's what everyone's I, that yeah. is everyone's question at the moment, isn't it? It's just what is the core game play? What the here? fuck? What, what do we actually do in this yeah. game? Yeah, why should I care? Like that's what yeah. I want to know right now. It's like we've been told to care, but we've not been given a reason why. Now it looks pretty, mm. but I don't care how pretty a game looks. I don't care how big a game is. I want to. I want to care about it. So far, it's just been so like just vague remnants of information for so long that I mean, it's it's as vague as sadness was that game on the Wii that never came out, and that's not a good thing to be compared to. Also, I've got to read out right now. I just got a question come through on Ask FM. Do you agree that the difference between David Cage and God is that God doesn't think he's David Cage, uh, which <laughs> which made me laugh quite a bit. <laughs> so. I do, I do agree to answer that question. Uh, uh, but yeah, No Man's Sky, um, every time I see it, every time I see it, I, I, want, I wish it had a face so I could punch it. Not because mm. I think the game's going to be bad, but something about the way it's being marketed slash not marketed mm. is infuriating me. Did you well, see it on Colbert? Yeah, uh, no, it, I didn't know. It looked I, shiny, and we don't know what you do in it. Yeah, it was like you do all this cool stuff, like you find planets and you can name them and you can name the creatures, and that's all well and good. It looks, it looks like fun activities, but it's like, what is the point of it? What? Yeah, <laughs> are you just it, doing it for I've the seen, sake of it, or is there some progression here? Or? Yeah, everything I've seen sounds like side activities. Yeah, exactly. Not, not the yeah. main thrust of a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I like Colbert's attitude to games. Mm. Actually, he's better than a lot of. Um, TV guys about he's, games. He's, I get a sense he, he he actually knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he yeah. seemed really like he seemed really interested in. He's he's definitely games. better than uh, some of the recent people oh. who've had video <laughs> games TV on their games. late night shows. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? As someone who does game content on YouTube, I couldn't give less of a fuck what Jimmy Kimmel says about video content. On yeah, YouTube. but <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I don't really care what he said. I yeah. mean, it was 
clearly stupid and it, he was just trolling player. and it worked yeah yeah um one one thing that i think is worth noting about no man's sky's appearance at paris games week is i temporarily got really excited by that trailer because it seemed like oh is this the first remnants of like a story being shown off no that was a voiceover they took from a movie i can't remember what film it was from now but it was the opening voiceover crawl from a movie that they posted onto their trailer oh, i want to punch that uh, game yeah was it it might have been like it's probably not. I think it was someone said like Total Recall or something, but it was some bit of movie VO that they had pasted onto their trailer. And for Why? like two minutes, I thought, oh, is this an actual story? Are we getting a story in this game? That's exciting. Oh, wait, no, you stole story from something else and made it look like you made a story. I just want oh. the first. I want them to unleash a story trailer, right? This is how it goes. Okay. Sweeping vistas. Um, various different ecosystems. You see one of those like dinosaur alien-y type things. Orchestral score, all of that. You see someone on a spaceship, like spaceship lands on one of the planets, opens up, person comes out of it. Little floating robot comes up next to them and just goes, that wizard came from the moon! And then it's just <laughs> Destiny's story, or like thereof. Uh, and the whole thing with Dinklebot and everything. Like, to be they got fair, Dinklebot No Man's Sky already has a better story than Destiny. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Way uh, more robust. Yeah, we we did have one question about No Man's Sky, which was just uh, from Ronnie Whit Whitelock. What's the first? What are you going to call the first planet you find? I'm going to call my first planet. Why am I playing this game? Please tell me. Chungus, obviously. What are you going to call your planet, Gav? Gosh, I haven't thought about this. Gavtopia, maybe. <laughs> that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, uh, Minecraft Story Mode's second episode got just like a stealth release this week out of nowhere. That was um, weird. Yeah, like they didn't tell anyone, and it seems like this <clears throat> two the two week gap isn't going to continue forward for later episodes. They did something to try and tie it into their physical season pass disc, whatever it was that released two weeks after the first episode. A lot of confusion happened about whether it came out in Europe or the UK Tuesday or Friday, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the second episode, I've played through it once. I want to go through it a second time. What I will say is really interesting off the bat is that it is the first time a Telltale game has had considerably different content depending on a choice you've made. Hmm. The ending of episode one allows you to pick one of two different support characters to go with to one of two different locations to go and find one of two characters. Episode two, pretty much the entire episode is a different person you are like talking with, a different location you are investigating, a different set of gameplay mechanics, and a different person you earn through doing that. It's interesting. And that is the most variation I've seen in a Telltale or in an episodic adventure game from episode to episode. My assumption is that episodes three, four, and five are going to be largely the same regardless. It will just be which extra team member do you have. But I think it's really interesting that they did that. Um, I want to play through it at least one more time before I, uh, I put my thoughts together. I'm going to have a review in the next couple of days by the end of this week. But um, yeah, that's interesting. And it's the first time I've really been able to point out, oh... Depending on what choice you make, there is a actual difference in the next two to three hours of content you experience. That's interesting they do that for Minecraft as well, when I think that's one 
maybe the audience they'd have to worry least about trying to do anything extra for. Mm. Um, that is interesting. I've got the theme to Robocop stuck in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you have that? We were just, all we were talking about was robots in Detroit. That's, that's, there's, there's nothing like that stuck. that exists. Uh, uh, I've, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate a lot. I have as well, actually. As, as have I. What did you I, think of it, Gav? I, I like it a lot. I mean, I think it's a pity. I think it's a there's a few things that make me sad about it. A, that the series has become so saturated now that people maybe won't buy this one and won't see that actually it has progressed a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in some really important areas, it hasn't. And I think that they did so much right in this one that the little flaws become way more frustrating. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I've been having some real control issues with it. Like, you're you're sending, you're pressing left on the pad and they're climbing the other way up the wall that you don't want them oh, to. Oh, I long, and... yeah. I long mm. since gave up ever trying to tell a character in Assassin's Creed what to do. Mm. They will do what they want. Mm. I, the best I can do is try and shepherd them near where I need them to be. I've long mm. since given up. Assuming this, I ever have direct control. This one, though, seems to have um, a mechanic that the others didn't in that you have to hold B to go downwards. Yes. And it doesn't always work because there's been, there's been times where I'm, like, chasing a target and they're right in front of me, like, five feet in front of me on the ground and I can't jump off the ledge. And I'm yeah. screaming at the screen, jump off the fucking ledge, Evie! <laughs> yeah, the controls are still pretty... They need week. to modernize it. They they need yeah. to look at Arkham, I think. And they they need tried. To... I mean, they've kind of they they did take some things from Arkham. They took some things from Saints Row. Mm. I think it's hilarious that this is the most modern feeling Assassin's Creed game, mm. mostly because they took stuff from games released in two thousand eight and two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah. um, but I gotta say, and and I said, you know, I, I I've reviewed it already. The reviews mm. on the Jimquisition website. This is the first Assassin's Creed game I've played that I can actually hand on heart say that I liked. I I, yeah. I think it's a good one, and yeah, I and, and that's odd e- for me Evie's to say. Evie's my favorite um, protagonist since Ezio, which is which it, is funny because her brother is completely twat. unsalvageable. Oh, God. Absolutely oh my God. He is, smug he is. Every time oh. he opens his mouth, I want I just like. Oh my God! Bring yeah. back my Ezio, please. I'm gonna pull his sideburns off <laughs> and it, shove them up his ass. Yeah. Was it you, Gav? I was talking to um, where you were saying that you wish you could have played more of that game as Evie. I wish I could play the whole game as Evie. Just every yeah. time your man is on, I just want to punch him. It's it's the problem I had with um, with Gat Out of Hell, and I talked about this before, where it's like you have the option of a female character until we decided it's an important story point and we need you to be the guy again. Yeah. And for me, for me, regardless oh. of like anything to do with gender, I just find him a really he, fucking mm. annoying character because he's he's like what they put in to like satisfy. No, it's like. He's almost like something out of a, a Devil May Cry or it, just that really annoying, always, oh, look feel... how much I get into trouble and make stupid quips even though I've endangered everyone and it, I don't know, yeah. it's just really fucking what's annoying. His face from, what's his face from Unity was similar. Mm. Um, I can't even remember his name. I don't Arno. remember anything from Unity. Oh, no? Oh, yeah, that's it. I can't. I, the only thing I remember really from Unity anymore is the bearded fucker who keeps calling me piss pot every three minutes. Um... <laughs> But it seems like ever since Ezio, like, they're desperate to have another one like him. Uh, but they go overboard with it. And the, the, final, the final evolution yeah. of them trying to reclaim Ezio and not knowing why people liked him is this is Jacob Fry. This smarmy, smirking prick 
Yeah, because Ezio was never smarmy. That was the thing. Ezio kind of made smart comments from time to time, but he was very gentle and very warm towards yeah. everyone. Whereas and the last couple of protagonists have just come off as like overconfident jerks. Mm. Yeah. And uh, our male protagonist here is kind of in that camp as well. He's mm. just ugh, he's insufferable. Say, I would say Evie, Evie's personality can be a little bit too flat and business at times mm. but she is at least way more grounded and has moments where she comes across as far more human. Yeah. Um and, you know, when she does have a laugh and stuff, there's something very naturalistic about it compared to, you know, I've the spent, affected... I mean, I've spent 95% of the game as Evie. I just, like, yeah. even her voiceover yeah. during the side missions and the mysteries and stuff. By the way, the murder mysteries are fantastic. Yes, They're they so really fucking good. good. I mean, they're... I did like the spring Heel Jack stuff. As someone who, like, is a fan of old Victorian folklore and stuff, I did mm. enjoy the spring Heel Jack stuff. Did yeah, you um... did you play the actual kind of Sherlock Holmes style where you solve who did it once, though, Jim? Yeah. They're so good. I mean, they're, I've, I don't think I've played a detective game that had mysteries yeah. that good. Because you Again, actually solve them with your brain. Unity, but it was never as never really mm. fleshed out in unity yeah yeah and seeing the spring hill jack stuff actually reminds me i'm not nearly as worried now about the jack the ripper stuff like i feel like they might actually do that not terribly so we'll see they might do that okay um, we'll see i'm for the first time in my life i'm actually interested in a bit of assassin's creed dlc yeah so, i mean L- this is london is just alien absolutely gorgeous here. as well yeah i mean it's oh, just the- stunningly beautiful how they've yeah. built it like there is one bit of interesting, uh, amusing news uh, that came out of this. The uh, the person who does PR for Evie's voice actor, Victoria Atkin, uh, has been emailing people trying to get interviews with the press. And she describes Evie as, uh, let me quote here, um, one of the first female leading roles in any video game ever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're... Evie's a secondary playable character that cannot be played through the entire game. Samus Aran, Jade from Beyond Good and Evil, no. Yeah, Lara no. Croft, anybody? Lara Croft, no. From Just, the 90s? Yeah. Like, it's... This is the first time this female character is playable through a good chunk of this video game as an optional secondary protagonist. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've done... I've done, like, my fair share of talking about the need for more diversity and, and wanting, you know, more uh, women in games as playable characters and not just the usual idealised sexy stuff, SJW, SJW, etc, etc. Um, I've done my fair share of that. But even I'd admit that the industry is not so bad that we could call Evie one of the very first latest yeah, like, we, lady protagonists in are, games. We are doing much better than that. Yeah, with, it, the industry ain't doing great, but it it's not that dire. Not to dis- diminish the fact that she is a fantastic protagonist and I'm so happy that she's oh, yeah. included there. And a great but... voice actress. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. fantastic. Yes. Uh, oh, breaking news, breaking news. As of right this second of us recording, Batman is finally back on PC. <laughs> Hooray! Oh, yeah. I got an email about that as well, actually. They've also taken all of those negative reviews and labelled them as um, something like pre-release reviews or something oh. to try and tell people like, oh yeah, this this isn't what the game's like. Like it's pretty fucking shady. Like I'm gonna get the email up because uh, God, I got so I lucky. I got so lucky with that game because I I like pretty much encountered one bug through my entire playthrough on PC. 
that is actually that is very lucky. Yeah, and, well, and it, yeah, it, it, um, the frame rate was solid for me too. It only dipped into the fifties when like you'd glide across the city really quickly. But the email I got was from a guy called Eric. I won't give the full name because I never know how people like to be credited in these dangerous Wild West internet times. Uh, but thank you, Eric. Yeah, they are marking all reviews of Arkham Knight posted before today as pre-release reviews. Oh, uh, which that's... I mean, it's not entirely dis. I mean, it is dishonest because it, it then they weren't pre-release it's, reviews. It's misleading. It's like no, yeah, those people reviewed misleading. a post-release copy. These were you reviews of the, the beta, which we sold to everyone. No, you, you, <laughs> yeah. you, it was you put it out as the official release. People bought it. People reviewed it. That is reviews of the game that you put out for sale as a finished yeah. product that was not finished. This just goes to show how many grey areas there are in gaming compared to other mediums. Yeah, it's, yeah, we are very much still an evolving medium. There's a lot that needs to be read. We've got a couple of decades of this to go still, don't you worry. Mm. Fucking Warner uh, Brothers. Very quick bits before we do a couple of questions. Um, game, the big video game retailer in the UK, accidentally mailed all of their stock of gift cards to a single branch somewhere in <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> Uh, one of the branch managers somehow managed to accidentally order every single gift card. Um, basically just meaning people wanted to pre-order, like, trade in their stuff. It's like, we can't put your trade-in value on a gift card, because we don't have any, because they're all in one... St- like, I'm just imagining these... <laughs> they're the all up in manager. Aberdeen. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining the branch manager somewhere in, like, Aberdeen or somewhere, swimming Scrooge McDuck-style through <laughs> his gift cards, just like... <laughs> it's got a big gift card bin, and this, the very first one he ordered is in a glass case, and he's like, oh, my lucky gift card! <laughs> So yeah, that's a very Irish-sounding Scottish accent. Yeah, I can't do the accent. Yeah, but actually, Uh, it's 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 a very American movie Irish accent-sounding Scottish. It is. (laughs) Two charms. Oh, me lucky charms. Uh, What what else do we have? Uh, Mario Maker's finally getting uh, getting checkpoints, which is needed since launch. I'm very happy about that. that. Um, I'm hoping that means we see, you know, the ability to have those lengthy, difficult levels broken up into sections which is currently a big problem with those kind of levels uh miyamoto apparently wanted goldeneye to be non-violent he looked at the game the late. In the de- game. <laughs> yeah he apparently looked at the game late development and was like i don't like all this violent can't can't we just have him like you know being non-violent and maybe giving people hugs or something man i it. i almost became pretty violent when i heard the theme song from the new one Jesus Christ, it's I terrible. I haven't heard it yet. How, how bad it's, is I'm it? I'm hearing that it's, the, the film is It's dog so shy. bad that I said on Twitter last night that even if Spectre was the best Bond movie ever, it would still probably not merit sitting through that song at 90 decibels in a cinema. <laughs> um, other things before we finish. Was there anything uh, else? I've got a bit of news. Oh, what's your bit of news, Jim? Finally got my review copy of Triforce Heroes way too late. Oh, finally. Um, finally got it. Finally turned up. Um, been playing it. That is the gayest Legend of Zelda <laughs> I've ever played, and I fucking love it. I could not agree more. Um, have it been... is so gloriously fabulous. Have you been playing it single player or multiplayer? Multiplayer. I've, I've, mm. To be fair, I've not gotten very far into it. I've only tried it out a little bit briefly last night in between work stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, it's hilarious. It... It's so fast-paced and chaotic, and is... the buttons you press to do different yeah. icons and things is just... I'm, I am loving it already, and I've only played two like like two maps so it, far. It is a fantastic multiplayer game. The single player, in my opinion, not worth touching. 
Um, yeah, I got it's, the feeling. It's, it's really, really, really not designed for single player, and it is obtuse to try and do three people's controls in real time. Like, particularly the worst point is trying to do boss battles. Trying to do boss battles as a single person is a fucking bloody nightmare. So, yeah, that game in single player, not great at all. Uh, multiplayer, really good fun. Uh, it's a completely skippable Zelda game if you are, like, you know, if you're primarily going to play the single player, you can completely skip this. If you've got local friends or online friends who are going to buy it, it's really fucking fabulous and amazing it and fast-paced yeah. and hilarious. Yeah, the, the, the whole ridiculousness of the mm. story and the whole fashion aspect of it is just... I, I am deliriously happy with it. Oh, the plot is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I, I will very briefly touch on the plot. The plot is that you are the protagonist from A Link Between Worlds who went over to a new land and um, put on a disguise to not be noticed and there's two other people who are identical to you but neither of those other players are the legendary hero. Just you. Just you, the person who's playing. You're the legendary hero. And they're also told that they are the legendary hero and the other two are not who are identical and there's no explanation as to why there's two identical people to you. It's just like... No, forget about those poses. You yeah, no are reason the, for you it. You are the hero. Not all three and of you, just sele- you. Your selection as a legendary hero is based entirely on the fact that you have fashionable pointy ears and a side parting. Yes, which exactly. Which I just think is delicious. It, it is the most delicious Nintendo game I've played oh, in a long those, time. Those costumes are fantastic. I love every single one. They are amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was good. Yeah. Also, that... uh, just briefly, played some of that uh, Warhammer End Times Vermintide. Oh, yeah. And if you're looking for, because obviously it's going to be 10,000 years before Valve do another one. If you need something new to fill a hole that Left 4 Dead hasn't Mm. been filling, that'll do it. It's Left 4 Dead in Warhammer with Ratmen, and it is shockingly fun. I highly recommend it. What did did I play? Oh, I played Dark Souls 3 for 20 minutes this week. Oh. Yeah, uh, that's really fast paced. It's much closer to a Bloodborne than a uh, Dark Souls Interesting. Uh, the the boss was probably the most deformed, terrifying thing I've ever seen in one of those FromSoft <laughs> games. Yes. It's yes. all of the the <laughs> like limbs were bending the wrong way at joints, and it was like disproportionate lengths of limbs, and everything just was unsettlingly um, uncanny valley. Like it didn't move how you expect something organic to move. It didn't bend the way things should bend. In the best kind of creepy way. Yeah, Couldn't this... beat the boss. The boss was terrifyingly difficult. Um, I'm really excited. This is this is definitely more of like FromSoft at their best. That that sounds like that's gotten me very excited. What you just that said. Is, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. To I know. I had very like as someone that got into the series with Bloodborne, then went back and played uh, Dark Souls one and two. I uh, I had very little in the way of complaints. Like if you are a FromSoft fan. This is FromSoft doing what they do best. So, be excited. This is looking really good. I'm very excited. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have into that. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Now, this may not have been noticeable in a brief period of time, but Mm. did you notice that whether or not when you dodged an enemy's attack that it turned and tracked you as you dodged? Or if you dodged at the right moment, would they hit the spot you were? As opposed to um, where you still were. 
if you time your attacks correctly, it, they appear to attack where you were okay. rather than where you are moving in the dodge. Because that was a um, huge flaw in Dark Souls 2. Yeah, they do not appear to track your dodge mid-swing. Like, okay. if you if you dodge correctly, they will hit where you were and you'll be around their side. Perfect. Uh, that, um, that, that, that's going to be a real deal-breaker for most fans, I think. Quite possibly, but it really... It worked very well in my experience. It all felt the way it should. So I'm going to have some long form thoughts written up on this uh, probably Thursday or Friday this week. But yeah, I'm very excited. This is this is some good souls happening. God damn, we're good. so spoiled lately. Oh, I know. Everything. I still haven't even like. Oh. I only just figured out when Laura said it before the podcast that Halo Five is out. <laughs> like, yeah. <what>? Jesus. <laughs> we we there's we did so have, much stuff coming out. Yeah, we did briefly have the news story that IGN put out a feature being like Halo 5's adverts lie about what the campaign story is, and having started to play the campaign, yeah, they kind of do. Um, those adverts are very much like, oh, you're gonna get two sides of a story, and both of them are gonna be equally like adamantly defensive, and it's gonna be a battle of equal minds against each other on both sides. That is not at all what the plot is. I um, actually heard that you don't uh, get to play Master Chief an awful lot in the game, which seems like an odd decision to me. Not not very much, and when you do, it's very obvious that, like, this is not the uh, two equal opposing forces. This is like, no, Master Chief is clearly similar. Most of the stuff in trailers about how Locke was like, no, Master Chief is a, he's a betrayer to the cause, and we've got to track him down for being a filthy deserter... Very little of that appears to be in the actual plot. So that's something. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, well, I'm going to try it because people yeah. want a song, so we'll see. I'm curious. I, I'm not a big Halo guy, but I'm curious uh, about this yeah. one. I may. I mean, I was down for a review copy and mm. then <laughs> nothing. They, they, this is turning into a trend. Well, not mm. Again, still not as bad as I thought it would when I first went indie, but... At this period of time, it's getting a little bit irritating yeah. trying to get things done. With with my first few hours with it, um, with the campaign, as someone who like wasn't really into the first three Halo games and quite a lot liked four, it's got a lot of the things going on in its campaign that I liked about Halo Four, where it like it feels like it was made by the people that made um, like the Me- Metroid Prime games. It's like. Oh yeah, this feels this feels kind of like the the first person shooter those guys would make. Are the le- so. are the levels kind of open or are they more linear? Because so far they have been linear corridors that uh. spread out enough to give the impression of being spread out, but they're still like there is definitely see, like that is your one road you're following. See, you I, can, you can I like linear games, but I don't like Halo to be linear. <laughs> it's it's very similar in its level of linearity to Halo Four. Um, in that it had environments that spread out in either direction, but you could tell where you were supposed to be going, and there was one path that you were meant to follow. So, there we go. Um, we got time for a couple of questions before we finish up? Yeah, let's, let's dump a few on our laps. Let's, let's have a look through. I'm finding questions as we go through, because I thought I had like an extra half an hour before we recorded, because the UK clocks changed, and the American ones didn't, and everything got confusing. So... I'm finding questions now. Jim and Gavin, do you want to vamp for me while I find a question? Um, uh, yeah, I suppose we could. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in- interesting question. Um, Chris Segrove asks something that I've seen suggested a couple of times, and I don't like. 
the numbers might not be perfect, but I like this as a concept. How would we feel if the price of a new AAA video game increased by around 10%, but it meant that we would get no more microtransactions or pre-order exclusives? I think that's already mm. happening, isn't it? That's like digital deluxe editions and... Yeah, the prices have raised. I mean, yeah. the way they've gone about it is is not a straightforward and directly honest way. Mm. But we are in that situation and they've still put the microtransactions in anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. The prices would raise, but they're too used to the idea of a continual money mine yeah. to ever remove like, it. I, I this idea that they have to have microtransactions and DLC and all this shit has always been bollocks. It's mm. an excuse that's trotted out in defence of corporations a lot. Oh, well, they have to do this to make their money back. They have to do this. Yeah. It's, n it's never a matter of, of need. It's a matter of want. You know, we've seen this when companies have full control over their distribution, uh, full uh, a monopoly on their distribution, and don't have to worry about certain costs and things. They'll still do some shit anyway because they can and because they will. Uh, and, and I mean, fuck. I mean, you've, you've seen how much they charge for ROMs when they fucking re-release <laughs> games, especially Square Enix on the iOS, um, on you know, the App Store and everything. Um, companies will only ever do what they can get away with. Uh, so, I mean, okay, in a purely hypothetical situation, I guess I'd, I'd understand raising the base price and having none of that stuff, but it's such a pure fantasy hypothetical because it would never happen because... This has never been about recuperating costs. It's about what you can get away with. Because you mm. can't cry poverty to me when you're selling a Star Wars game, which is already guaranteed to... Which is with, the, with a beta that had 9.5 million downloads. And you're telling me uh, you need a $50 season pass to make back the money. That's bollocks. You can't tell me that you have Mountain Dew and uh, uh, Dorito and, and Subway sponsorship deals, advertising in the games, all this DLC, collector's editions, digital deluxe editions, the amount of money you're having. You can't do all that and then cry poverty to me later. You can't raise a, a, you can't have a car descend from the ceiling during a Forza presentation and tell me you're poor. Like, it, it just, it, I, I don't buy it. This stuff happens because they want it to, not because they need it to. I agree with you that it's not a practical suggestion in that even if you did raise the price, we would very quickly see those um, raised back in. That being said, this has just a hypothetical question. Like, if there was a way that we could, in theory, have that situation of pay a little extra money, don't get nickel and dimed within the game as a standard... I would probably I would probably be on board with that. Like I like the idea of if if we could guarantee it would mean no more microtransactions forced and wedged into the design of games. I'd be all for that. I would happily spend a little extra money to not have to think about that in terms of game design considerations as a critic. But again, it's not a hugely practical um suggestion just because very quickly, we would have a company say again, well, uh, we still need some of our microtransactions, and then that would be, oh, we still need most of our microtransactions, and we'd be back where we started just with yeah, more expensive games. games. The only game so, that ever needs microtransactions is free-to-play games. Yeah, yeah, always, yeah. They're the only place where there's an where where I feel there's a justifiable excuse. Yeah. So, um, so other questions we've got this week. Um, David Anderson on Facebook wants to ask. Jim has the Jim saw as his serial killer alter ego. 
What no, would, I don't. What would... No connection at no, all. No, no connection say, at all. No connection at all. No connection at all. Okay, okay. So... And even if there was, he's not a killer. He puts them in traps and they work their way out. That's not killing. Killing is distasteful to yeah. me. Yeah, so the, j- completely unconnected to Jim is a man called Jim Saw, who doesn't kill people. He allows <laughs> no. them to kill themselves trying to escape from ironic death traps. Um, So if the three of us were to have serial killer alter egos, what would, what would they be? Maybe we should start with you, Jim, considering that you don't Uh, have a a serial killer alter ego. I think I'd go with Jimsaw. You reckon Jimsaw would be yours? Yeah. 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 The Jimsaw killer sounds pretty cool. I could see that working. I could see, I could see a lot of, you know, overlapping in in your styles of presentation that would maybe make for an interesting uh, you portraying him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gavin, serial killer alter ego? Uh, You should probably go first while I think about this. (laughs) Right. uh, Sorry, we we did... I really did mean to look at the questions this week, but then we did it an hour early, so I didn't get a chance. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been a bit of a... It's been a bit of a show this week. Um, So, my serial killer alter ego, let's go with um i'm i'm not going to give myself a name i think that uh, serial killer naming conventions are not to be given by the person with the alter ego they are to be given by the general populace as their response to the acts that i commit um so i will I that's will, a very ethical approach to in, serial killing i will, I respect allow, I will allow them to make their judgments about what i should be referred to as i will let the public decide um i will smother people in their sleep if they dislike uh, the things that I like and I will base my opinion subjectively on whether I think that my subjective opinion is objectively right and I think that their subjective opinion is objectively wrong, I will smother them with a butt-shaped pillow in their sleep. A butt-shaped pillow. <laughs> yeah, I will, I, will, I will drown that their face in That actually sounds like ass. a kind of comfortable thing to sleep on. Like a little dip in the middle for your head. Exactly. It's comfortable to sleep on. It's not comfortable to have wedged on your face. You'll die. <laughs> Gavin, do you have an answer? Yeah, I would set people up a series of, like, puzzles. And if they solve the puzzles, they get to hear, like, some awesome music, like uh, Iron Maiden or Kate Bush. But if they fail the puzzle, they get Westlife blared at them. <laughs> At full that, would, that would kill any human in yeah. seconds. It, no, did you guys know that um, CIA, legit, CIA legitimately used Westlife songs as torture? Yep. I, and I was saying that I remember working in HMV when their album came out and it definitely broke the Geneva Convention having to listen to that fucking shit all day long. <laughs> <laughs> um, quick questions this week. David Anderson wants to ask, what modern video game would you like to see have a, an old-school 8-bit style reimagining? And This is where Gavin doesn't share his opinion on old-school 8-bit reimagining. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of negative things to happen. Um, I, Detroit! Detroit? You want to see yep. 8-bit emotions? Yeah. You can't do 8 bits emotions. There's no polygons, no, no, polygons. in 8 bits. Yep. Um <laughs> I I would kind of like to see um a new retro style Metroid game. Like one of the old 2D pixely Metroids yeah. rather than a 3D one. I'd like to see them do that. 
for some reason, in seriousness, my mind keeps saying kill zone. I don't know why, but <laughs> my yeah, 8-bit kill zone, why not? Kill zone in Contra style actually could be pretty fun. That would be kind of neat, yeah. Could have to be fair, anything in Contra style is yeah. pretty fun. I'd, yeah. I'd kind of like to see an 8-bit... Pro, Probotector for those yeah. of us. I don't know <laughs> if it was that in the UK, was it? But it certainly was in Ireland. Mm. I'd, I'd kind of like to see an 8-bit RPG reimagining of Mass Effect. I could see that working as an old-style RPG. I, yeah, that would be that interesting. Work. Yeah, because Bioware's done some good, like, top-down... Like, this is going to be the weirdest recommendation. I don't like Sonic the Hedgehog as a franchise, but Bioware did a really good job with their Sonic RPG on the DS. Oh, that was a weird one. It was a weird one, but they did some really interesting stuff. Like, I'd like to see them take that team and maybe be like, hey, make Today a spin-off. Today I learned. Yeah, wow. make, a, make a spin-off. But Bioware made a Sonic game. They did. It was yeah. Sonic Chronicles: The Dark Brotherhood or something. It was a bit like <laughs> what? it. It was. It was that well. era where Sonic the Hedgehog as a character was being like, "Oh, it's all dark and gritty," but the mechanics at play were really interesting, and I like the mechanical side of their two D RPGs. I'd kind of like to see them give that treatment to a Mass Effect game. So yeah, there we go. I had an answer. What cultural shift was it that caused everything to become dark and gritty for a while? Because if you remember, like, the same happened with Prince of Persia and, and a bunch of other stuff. What was Why? it that caused that? The, the... I think because video games culturally are behind everything else, I think it's an echo from the 90s comic book industry. Mm. I've, I've seen it argued as well that the, like, the... 90 like the mid 90s grunge movement and that sort of era had a big effect mm. on like teenagers at that time mm. and then younger brothers and sisters of those people who looked up to those older siblings so in the, the mid the... 2000s came into having disposable income and yeah. still had that idea of what was cool yeah maybe. and i don't know if that's perfect as an idea but i certainly see how that could that have that did effect. pop into my head all right that maybe the whole kind of grunge alt rock movement that that whole cultural yeah. shift maybe had something to do with the grittiness that, of yeah. There's a lot of people who grew up with older siblings who were into that stuff, thought it was really cool, and a decade or so later suddenly had their first bits of disposable income. And video games are definitely cheering up though, which is great. Yeah, they are getting better at that. We're not getting such a dark, gritty everything these days. Uh, uh, time for one last question before we wrap up because <coughs> I think we've done just over an hour. Yeah. There we yeah. go. We we hit an hour. That's okay. We'll do one more. I'm just having a look through for one last question. Um da, 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 looking for good questions. Well, I just read some funny news that Maynard James Keenan from Tool called their fans, wait for it, insufferable retards. <laughs> oh, my oh God. that's not gonna go well. That's not gonna go down well on the that's internet. That's not a smart idea. Don't uh. do that. Um Okay, last last question is going to be one from Monster Zoo on Twitter. Are there any games that had concepts or mechanics you wish were revisited or used more? So, like, are there any concepts or mechanics from a game that you're like, oh, that was really cool, why did we never see that again? Oh, there's one I always talk about with this, and why have I forgotten it now that I need to mention it? <laughs> oh, damn it. Really wish I'd known about this question beforehand. Maybe we can think about it again next week. It's a really, really good question. Definitely the 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 HUD in Dead Space, the way the HUD is um, mm. a part of you, mm. that it doesn't intrude upon your screen. I thought, I, I can't believe more games haven't picked up on that. Yeah. 
the way that it was sort of built into your um just built into your suit's design was really elegantly handled um yeah. on visual interface stuff i know it's not necessarily as elegant but i really like the um the effect it has on play i really like the hud in the metroid prime games in that i really like um having a small amount of helmet of your like space character visible just in the surround of your screen because i really yes. like that in first person games where you get a little bit of view of yes you are not just a floating camera it feels like you are ahead which is nice i like that okay sorry no right off just right off my top of my head i can't think of any but there were so many moments i felt like that in metal gear solid 5 where i was like why don't mm. other games do this oh i have a really good answer yeah. um what was the the rpg on the ds uh bravely default where you had the ability to um you had a slider for random battles and at any time you could slide the like the frequency of um random battles from 100% which was your standard baseline to 0% if you were just backtracking to try and get back to a town or up to 200% if you wanted to uh, grind for levels really quickly. That, that was really mm. good. Yeah, being able to control the frequency of uh, random battles is a really useful thing in RPGs, and I wish that it was a more common thing we saw. So yeah, I wish that was a thing we saw more often. Jim, do you, you got answers? No, no. <laughs> really, you guys took the best. <laughs> you guys took the best ones. Like I, I love the the hard and dead space and the. You know, sliders, anything with customize where you can customize the not necessarily the difficulty, but the I guess the frequency of challenge in an experience. I really like. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Dead Space as so, well, as as many problems as I had with the third one, I think that kind of a weapon crafting system had a lot of potential, and it'd be interesting to see if Fallout Four does a good job with it. Yeah. 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 It's so like a good weapon crafting there we go. System. We... I, I did like it in Dead Space Three. It's just you know the way it was set up to justify the, the fee-to-pay elements. Yeah. And with that, should we should we wrap up there for this week? And yes. Then, we, we've yes. gone over our hour. It's a bit shorter than we've done, you know, for the last few months. But it's 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 the length that these episodes are meant to be. We, weren't, yeah. we were never meant to do an hour and 45 minutes a week. That was never the that intent. Just just I'll, try, and I'll try and make myself quieter. <laughs> It's 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 fine. We 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 can shut you up in post, Gavin. I'll just like, and, um, not speak deep. Thank you all for listening. As always, it's uh, been a lovely show. Like I said, it's not been the the massively long rambly ones we've been doing lately. But like I said, I'm so tired and have so much work to do uh, that that I hope you'll uh, indulge me on that. Um, Laura, people have listened to the show. They might be hungry for more. Where can they get more of you? You can find more of me at Laura K Buzz on pretty much everything. Twitter is where you'll find me just spouting off about stuff all day, being like, oh, I sit at home, here's my opinions on stuff. Um, you'll find me on Patreon at Laura K Buzz, which is what pays the bills. Other than that, you can find me on Destructoid Monday to Friday. You can find me on YouTube at Laura K Buzz, where I will have a full Let's Play of Episode 2 of Minecraft Story Mode going up soon. Yeah, that'll do. Find me on those things. Excellent. Gavin, you are kind of a pop star, so I hear it down my neck of the woods. Uh, where can people find out more about your great music and your spooky, scary skeletons? You can uh, go at Miracle of Sound on Twitter, where you will hopefully not find me spouting off about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can come to YouTube, uh, Miracle of Sound, where you can find the latest song, which was based on Firefly and which is doing very nicely. 
Nicely, nicely. Um, cool. Thank you all for listening. Uh, just a brief note, Jimquisition this week is going to air two days early. Uh, it's not going to be on Monday. Uh, it's going to be on Saturday, October 31st. Uh, oh, why, why would you do there that? There's nothing special about October 31st. I just felt like it. Just felt right. Just, just one of my wild hairs. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, I'm. It's been a quite some time in the making. Um, all the leading up to it. Uh, so hopefully it turns out fun. Hopefully yeah, I saw I some pictures on your Facebook this week that were legitimately terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, that stuff already went up. That's uh, that yeah. was last, this week's episode. Oh. Um, if you want to see some disturbing, horrific shit, then this week's episode's got you. I wore five different masks. I think I've got a problem. <laughs> uh, before we finish up, I did want to give a quick shout out for um, Kerry Dyer, who made the shrimp mask. Yes, um, yes. Tomorrow, I believe, so the day that this podcast goes up, she's going to be putting up a couple of videos about the making of that mask, um, of footage she recorded while making it. So if you want to see stuff on that, Kerry makes things on YouTube. You can find some videos probably by the time this goes up cool. of the making of the shrimp mask. There was also a, a lady cool. this week who did a very cool cosplay of Jim. On Twitter, yeah. she linked us on Twitter. There's, there's a couple of cool uh, Quimithy Girling um, cosplays yeah. that are popping up, which is really cool to see. It's happening I'm, a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, you're becoming, you're becoming a cosplay icon of sorts. I, I think if, 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 if more ladies want to dress up like me, I mean that. I never thought that would be a. <laughs> I never thought that would be an interest of mine, but. Do do keep it up. I, I'm enjoying that. I, um, I, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm waiting for the day that you enter a Jim Sterling cosplay competition and don't win. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I, I want to see. I went to um, I went to like a lesbian burlesque type show this week, and there was a person dressed very similarly to Jim on stage. <laughs> I'm going to assu- I'm going to assume that was an attempt to at cosplaying of me, hmm. and I will pl- be proud of it, and I will take credit for it. Um, so yes, yes, Kerry Dyer. I'm actually working with some incredibly talented people lately. Kerry Dyer um, did the a, a lot of the credits for the stuff that the people that have helped me out with the gym sort of stuff that I've got nothing to do with. Wink, wink. Um, a lot of that credits and that will be um, revealed and stuff on Saturday, and I'm going to be linking to all sorts of talented people. Uh, also working with a guy called Justin McDaniel, uh, who is working on uh, redesigning the Gymquisition website, redesigning some logo stuff. Um, doing a new intro and outro for the show. Um, so there's there's a lot of cool changes coming from some incredibly talented people who I'm working with. Uh, and it's incredibly creatively freeing when you as a creator realise, uh, which is, again, harks back to the David Cage thing, that you can't do everything on your own because you're not that talented. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's again, part of the, the, the reason why the Patreon thing's been so wonderful is because Yol's financial support has helped reach out to people way more talented than me who can do things I can't. So that that's wonderful, and and that that's gone on way too long. I mean, we were supposed to wrap up ten minutes ago. So uh, thank you for listening. As always, thank you for the support. Love it. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday. And goodbye. Bye. Bye.